0: Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show, Shark Tank, and you're listening to The Underdog Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Underdog Podcast. Today I have a very special guest here with me, Friendly Tucker. How are you? I'm amazing. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, what a so fun! Phone? My goodness, it is so wonderful to have you here. I remember getting introduced to you, and I was like, I just love her.
1: I always say coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous godwinks that's
0: right home, they're godwinks right? that's right, that's God right. winks. <laughs> so it's such an honor to have you here meeting you then in person getting introduced to you then we spoke a little bit on the side at build and i just remember you sharing your story and i was just yeah. like You know those people who share their story and you just tingle everywhere and you're just like oh my god this is the most beautiful soul ever and so i'm just so honored to have you here today and to hear your story in detail because i've heard bits and pieces of it and i know it's going to inspire so many people so thank you again for being here oh it's an honor
1: thank you for having me and it's always fun to do this with friends right
0: Oh, my! I get to play with my friends all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's the greatest gift ever. Yeah, greatest gift ever. So I'm going to start with one of my favorite questions. Okay. A little bit loaded. What inspired you in your journey to where you are today? You know, gosh, there's been so many inspirations.
1: I mean, I think, you know, growing up, my mom, I was raised by a single mom, only child. And didn't have a father. My grandparents were, thank goodness. I don't think, you know, we grew up very poor. And I think if it wasn't for my grandparents' support, we probably would have been a lot worse off than we were. Yeah. And so I think that just watching my mom, you know, do everything she could to raise me and support me. You know, she, in 1985, she started working for a little company called Raymond James in Financial. Yeah. And when they were one building, Wow. Yeah, on 66th Street in St. Pete in Pinellas Park, actually, Florida. And she started as a secretary making $12,000 a year. And when I graduated from high school, so that would have been what, 12, 13 years later, yeah. she was the senior VP of institutional sales, the only female. Wow. And her territory was Manhattan. And it was at a time when it was a very male dominant industry. Yeah. And she really worked hard. To provide, I don't think I realized the gravity of that until I was older and looked back and yeah. went, "She was a boss babe, right?" Yeah, she's like a beast. yeah. I mean, to survive that, and so I would say my mom has definitely probably been
0: the most inspirational. That's amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, when you are raised by a badass, you are kind of inadvertently become one, right? Yes, like yes. you see that you see that level of strength and that determination, mm-hmm. that grit, and you realize like it's not normal, mm-hmm. right? But not really until later, right? right. So, like even in the even with me and my parents, like all I knew was hustle my whole life. Mm-hmm. So like watching them, like I thought that was normal. And then like mm-hmm. kind of look looking on the onset, I'm just like whoa, that totally was not. And it's so interesting how it shapes. That's right. How it shapes us, right? Like right. seeing all of that. And I'm sure that became ingrained in you in a super Young age and you didn't even know it. No, I didn't. And
1: recently I've been doing a lot of studying around masculine and feminine energy. And yeah. um, Alison Armstrong has become a mentor of mine in that field because what I realized is I was raised in my masculine energy because mm. she was so in her masculine. She had to be because she had to survive in this very masculine world. And so being raised in masculine energy, I never learned how to tap into my feminine I never learned, right? Probably why I'm single at 42, right? And when I wanted to start dating and started really opening up in the last year of why don't I have that life partner? I started realizing, wait a minute, like it's because I'm living in the masculine and what Mm. attracts the masculine is the feminine, right? So that's been a journey of, yes, that grit and determination, you know, is inside of me and now being able to navigate a little bit
0: into that feminine energy. I love that you brought up The different energies masculine and feminine because that was one thing that i've always (laughs) always been into like super like let's go boom 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 boom. no whining oh yeah and And it's just like and you don't realize you're like oh and then and then people like you know because i I would always be in black i would be wearing like blazers like (laughs) dude like and everyone's like (laughs) my mom recently went my mother's
1: also so you know when you're raised by a single mom like her whole life she followed me probably to every state. I went to four different states. She followed me everywhere. So finally, a few years ago, I said, fine, you want to be my mom? I'll put you on the payroll. So it's on my terms. (laughs) And now I can pay her to be my mom. Like she does my laundry, takes out the dishes. It's leverage at its best. Right. But recently she went to pick up a pair of pants from Nordstrom for me and they were Royal blue pants. And I handed them to her and she said, I don't think these are the right pants. And they said, well, what's wrong with the pants? Well, I don't think you understand. My daughter
0: only wears black, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think these are her pants. <laughs> oh my god! Me. black and white, clean. <laughs> Get me a blazer; I'm good to go. Oh and, I, I, and like my friends, one of my best friends she said, here, she's like, what to you? you your feminine, Pam." I'm like, <laughs> so like when you she said goodness. that, it's so funny. We're just like we grind. Like, That's what right. we do. And it's like when you're so used to the masculine energies, I was heavily influenced by my father. My That's father was very much like, grind, let's go, boom, 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 yes. boom. But there's power, there especially as
1: a female. We all have masculine and feminine energy yeah. inside of us. But as a woman, if you can learn how to balance the two, it is a powerful, powerful synergy um, that we can create in our leadership, in our coexistence. Like
0: there's a lot that we can do with the two energy. Well, it's interesting because we're entering the era of the divine feminine right now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's like now almost like we're being forced (laughs) to step into it. We're like, "Ah." that's right. That's right. It's really a beautiful thing. It really, really is. I'm excited. I am too. I'm like to see how everything's meshing together. Well, women are rising, powers Mm -hmm. rising, all Like, it's just amazing to see. It's amazing to see. That's right. Now for you, I have a question. I'm so interested to know. Okay. What did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So <laughs> I wanted to be a brain surgeon. Isn't
1: that funny? What? Yes. I wanted First, I wanted to be a teacher. And then my mother um, coached me against that. And then I wanted to be a brain surgeon. And I actually was a neuroscience major in my freshman year of college. Were you yes. really? And then they told me I had to read 175 pages of biology every day. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, this isn't probably going to work. I wanna, <laughs> I'd rather be at the bar. <laughs> oh my gosh. but it's funny because now I'm four forward I'm a master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming and I study
0: the brain and so I got to do it without all the schooling you know what's so cool is like how what we want to be as kids translates and like comes full circle as we're older that's right it's almost like we know at a young age right and somehow along the way we kind of forget a little bit or mm-hmm. life happens or whatever and then yep. eventually we get to that space and like Look That's at what you're doing. That you that is exactly what you're doing now. You're yeah, literally studying the brain, yeah, linguistic patterns, like yeah. all of the things, and it's just so beautiful. I just have to deal with the blood and guts. Yeah, yep, it's great. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was like me. That was like me in college. So, like when I went <laughs> I went in as a business major and I was like, Oh well, I'll nine to five when I graduate, and then eventually become an entrepreneur. Well, yeah, I hope that like works. <laughs> no. But it was so funny because I had to drop my applied calculus class because. Oh, yeah. I was like, they're like, in order to be a business major, you need to pass this one class. And I'm like, this is, no, I'm like, I don't understand, like, no, 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 apply calculus for business. Mm -hmm. I don't even understand algebra. So let alone calculus. I have a hard time with things that don't make sense, like logistically. So I'm like, what is this? That's hilarious. So it's so funny. It's almost like you, that you like cut it out. It's like the same thing with me. I'm like, ah, no, see you later. Okay. but it's just so fascinating oh my god and you yeah. mentioned that your mom was a huge inspiration to you like yes. growing up yeah and so walk me through like kind of your career journey so when you started so you were in college for neuroscience yeah.
1: so I started college as a neuroscience major my freshman year and then transferred to business because you know I think sometimes we follow in our our parents footsteps because it's all we know right yeah. and so when I graduated from college I was fortunate enough to go live in Manhattan for 7 years. I worked in hedge funds and investment banking and started actually in talent management for a company called Endeavor and was going to do like the talent, you know, agency you know, everybody wants to be famous when they're a kid, right? Now I'd rather be rich than famous. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: and, right? uh-huh.
1: and um, it's funny with the ego, when you remove the ego, how that switches, right? When you have a lot of ego, you want to be famous, not rich. But then when the ego goes away, you're like, I'd rather be rich than me. And so did investment banking route, hedge funds, and then ended up moving back to Texas deep in my alcoholism. So I was at this point in my life, I was drinking quite a bit. And everywhere I go, there go I. So I did a lot of what I call geographical relocations, mm-hmm. where if I just go here, my life will be better, right? I can start over and everything will be great. Well, wherever I go, there go I. So then mm-hmm. I came back to Texas and got into country club membership sales for a company called ClubCorp, And then ended up, um, that's where I discovered real estate. Mm-hmm. So that's where realtors would partner with us to obviously sell homes in our golf communities and we would sell memberships
0: to their clients. And that's how I learned about real estate. That's fascinating. Oh my gosh, I love your trajectory and kind of how it all goes. Thank you so much for sharing that, by the way. And it's interesting, you mentioned, what do they consider it? It's a trauma pattern where mm-hmm. you kind of tend to escape that's right if i do this then this will go away mm-hmm. if this happens then this will go away yeah it's a trauma response mm-hmm. right is what they mm-hmm. what they say So i've been kind of studying this for a while mm-hmm. so neurolinguistics programming mm-hmm. i took the i have the regular certificate yeah. i'm going in for master's soon too so it's just interesting how the mind works and how it processes information trauma the responses how we can become reactive if we're not aware like yeah all of these things and like the most powerful thing is to be able to control the mind right? right so walk me through kind of your whole journey with that because looking yeah. at you right like you're so hyper successful like yeah. you're just killing it and slaying it these days but what a lot of people don't realize is you have a whole story behind you like, And this is often, this is the reason why I started this podcast in the beginning was, you know, I saw that there was this massive disconnect from people and somebody who's hyper successful Mm -hmm. because they look at somebody and put them on a pedestal and say, this person could have never possibly made it through this. When in reality, it's like, we've been through hell, the ringer, the fire, Mm -hmm. all of the things and like beyond. Yeah, that's right. And so your journey was super interesting to me like i remember you sharing it with me and i was just like wow because looking at you know you just would never you would never think but this is this is literally the reason i started this because now people can listen in and for those who are listening this could change your life a friend of yours and somebody that you know a loved one like whoever it is brindley's story is is extremely extremely powerful i was touched and moved by it when you shared it with me so i'm excited to kind of hear it in detail from you and how you how you came to that, how you moved through it, how you became aware of it, and then how you kind of moved through it because you just never know, yeah, who's yeah. going through something right now. So I am, and thank you for that. You know, it's
1: I always say this is the Brindley I built, not the Brindley that was born. Mm -hmm. And in neuro-linguistic programming, we learn about the three phases of programming, you know, zero to seven is your imprint phase. So it's why they, we say kids are like sponges. We soak everything in, right. Mm -hmm. We just take it all in your, your brain is a blank. Think of a CPU computer, like a a central processing unit. And it's blank when you're born and now it's just being programmed. right? Right. And then from seven to 14, you move into a modeling phase. So this is when your are programming is you're modeling the behavior of your peers. This is why it's so important to not just know what, who your children are associating themselves with, yet also know what's happening behind the closed doors of the hall. What conversations are happening at the dinner table? What are those parents? How are they treating one another? Because your children are being programmed based on modeling that behavior. And then from 14 to 21 is your relationship phase. This is where we learn partnership, intimacy. Your hormones are now rising. Now you're mm-hmm. learning how to be in extreme partnership and to be intimate with another human being. And that's, that's your relationship phase. And for me, you know, growing up without a father, I found out at 32 that I actually was given up for adoption. So my mother actually gave me to the nuns in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and then two weeks later came back and got me. Well, the first time that we ever experience shame is the first time we're disconnected from our mothers. And so the unconscious mind, when it stores memory, it doesn't know situation, it stores feeling, right? So what happens is, and that's what we call triggers. So what happens is, is when a trigger occurs, when an event that triggers a similar emotion that was created during those imprint phases. Mm. Your unconscious mind doesn't know that the situation may be different. It just knows the emotion and it fights, flights, freezes, or pleases. Right? So our brains essentially are always looking for exits. Anytime we're uncomfortable, anytime we experience any type of negative emotion, even though it may be a negative emotion that is moving us closer to growth or personal development. Our brains start to go, but where's the exit? Where's the exit door? And so, for me, if you look at those programming stages and you look at the journey in my life, you know, zero to seven, my imprint phase was a lot of my mother struggling, her parents not talking to her because she had had a child out of wedlock, trying to pay bills, you know, living on ramen and mac and cheese and doing whatever survival, right? I grew up in survival. And then from seven to 14, my modeling phase, thank goodness. She had me in a really strong Baptist church. Mm. So my moral compass was created during my modeling phase. So my conscious, you know, and I always say, I don't care who your God is, as long as it's not you. Right. Right. Yet because I had grown up with the idea of a higher power, I did have a moral compass and a conscience.
2: Mm.
1: Well, then if you fast forward 14 to 21 is your relationship phase. Well, when I was 18, my uncle was murdered. He was shot at close range through a bedroom window in Spring Hill, Florida. And about two months before my high school graduation, I'm scrubbing my uncle's blood on a tile floor. And my whole life changed in that three month period. It felt like I was in a made for TV movie. My grandparents divorced after 48 years of marriage because of the loss of a child. So think about that, right? The only epitome of marriage that I ever had in my life was my grandparents, 48 years of marriage in my relationship phase, they divorce. I'm 42. I've been engaged once and I've never been married. And I haven't, my last relationship was four years ago. And I've recently discovered now why that's happening because of my belief system, right? Being it's going to end. Mm. So why bother starting and having to start unpacking that? And there's so much freedom that comes with that because now you know wait, it's not me. Like, 99.9% of the way you think, you didn't even choose to think that way.
0: That's mind blowing. Yeah. The good thing is, it can be reversed. I'm just here. I'm My mom, like, keep going because you're so amazing. So,
1: so, this happens. My uncle dies. My grandparents divorce after 48 years of marriage. And I have been accepted to Baylor University because it was the biggest Baptist college in the country.
2: Mm. And
1: I just want to get out of here. And at this point, my entire world back home has fallen apart. I get to college. My mom basically says, here's your allowance. As long as you get a 3 0, the money will keep coming and a lot of us who have grit and determination and a lot of addicts and alcoholics are very very smart individuals and we have a really high potential that's just taken because of our addictions right and our and our alcoholism and so i get to college and it's a free for all so i just drink i drink my way through college i graduate with a 3.002 <laughs>
0: Right at the bare
1: minimum. <laughs> you know, we all have college nightmares. Oh, I yeah. had this nightmare, probably, it probably didn't stop until like 10 years ago because my senior year I played dominoes in college because it would, you know, mom would give me enough money, yet the dominoes actually would allow me to, you know, spend more and drink more. I'd make money every <laughs> night. And I'm sitting playing dominoes one night, and this gentle, a friend of mine, says, Hey, aren't you in this econ class? And I said, Yeah, but it's, there's no attendance policy and it's a final at the end of the, the semester. I'll just study for the final and take it. And he goes, no, Brindley. the entire semester's grade is based on a stock portfolio that you're supposed to be working on your whole semester. It's three weeks before the end of the semester. Oh. So I have to go into my professor, tail between my legs and say, hey, didn't know this. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, sir, I cannot fail. Like my mother will kill me. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. So we'll I'll make a deal with you. If I make more money in the next three weeks than anyone in the class, will you give me an A? And of course, he didn't believe I could do it. And I called all of my mom's friends that were stockbrokers <laughs> and I day traded for three weeks straight. And I'll never forget it Campbell's Soup stock is what got me. I day traded penny stocks all day long, and then Campbell's Soup was the stock that got me. And I made more money than everybody in the class. And I legit had that dream for like 20 years after college. It was Campbell, so Campbell's Campbell's Better Gay. <laughs> I'm their brand ambassador
0: for this
1: Sessions. And Mallory so you know so I so you know I go to college I graduate with a 3-0 I get to go to Manhattan and you know I think that I think the city saved my life because i couldn't drive, you know and you know I've worked hard played hard and ended up meeting someone there that we just we were drinking buddies and we just supported each other in our addictions and Ended up coming back to Texas for a few years. And then again, you know, screwed my life up there, got into quite a bit of trouble with the law there, and then said, if I just get back home to my family, you know, my grandfather had remarried. And I said, you know, they're having barbecues every Sunday. If I just had that, like, that'll right. be awesome. And I go back and, you know, he's rebuilt a family for 10 years and they don't want to have anything to do with us. So here I am at 30, you know, one years old, back home, nothing to show for my life. I'm in a relationship with a man that I don't love. You know, he makes sure the bills are paid and I made sure he was clothed in bed. And that was our relationship. And everything that I had ever done in my career, I had started as an assistant, just like my mom had, right? I thought it was a great way to learn the business, learn mentorship and all of that. And I knew that I wanted to go into real estate because I knew I could make fast money and I didn't want to I want to set my own hours, mm-hmm. which you know that's the falsehood that everybody thinks it's into real estate. They totally think false. it's flex and quick money. Uh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Nope. Yeah. If you're listening to this and that's what you're thinking, you're highly
0: mistaken because that's not how it happens. <laughs> highly mistaken. Well, it's funny because like that just so many people, like I was literally walking my dog at the park the other day, and, and there's this gentleman that his son just got into real estate. He's like, Oh, you know, Pam, he joined this team, but they're not teaching him anything. And I'm like, they don't teach you how to make money. Like no. everyone kind of suffers on their own unless you have a leader that's right who's willing to like open up. So it's yeah, it's so fascinating that you yes. said that because it's it's so it's true. true. It's so true.
1: So I got hired to be a real estate kind of assistant office manager at a brokerage in South Florida, went to their annual conference in February of 2012. And all I heard was God, family, and business, which was everything that was missing in my life at that time. You know, at this point, I had gotten to a place where I was drinking in the mornings just to get through the day, just to cure the hangovers from the night before. Mm -hmm. I hated myself. The committee in my head just would play bongos, drums all day long. And it Mm -hmm. wouldn't shut up, telling me how awful I was, how, you know, I could be in a room and everyone in the room could think I was the prettiest girl in the room or the smartest girl in the room. I just thought I was the dumbest, ugliest version of anything. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to feel. I didn't want to feel. And I came home from that conference that year, and I cried out to God, and I said, "I don't want to live, but I don't want to die and I don't know how to get out of where I'm at. I was so dependent on this man, mm-hmm. you know I was making barely any money, and I really did not know what where to go from there and you know, I believe my God whispers and then he speaks, wow. and then he yells, and then he wos, yes. and my roar came Memorial Day weekend of two thousand and twelve. I had gone. To a friend's house for like a makeup wine party mm-hmm. and they tried to take my keys at the end of the night and I've had copious amounts of wine and on the way home I made a u-turn in front of a motorcycle ended up in jail got out of jail the next morning called the police station to find out where my car was and they told me it was being held an investigation of a vehicular homicide and my mom was sitting about this far away from me on the couch and I looked at her and I said I'm gonna make it to" And my whole life changed that day. And I believe by the grace of God, that man didn't die because God knew I would be more useful out here than I would be behind bars. And I make amends to that man every day by staying sober and helping other men and women do the same and sharing my story because no matter where you are in life, no matter, you can think that it's never going to get better. And you're only one step away
0: from having a life beyond your wildest dreams. I adore you. First and foremost, (laughs) I love you so much. And thank you so much for sharing that again, hearing it for the second time. I'm like chills everywhere. Like my heart's like jumping out of my chest because I feel that everything that you're saying, like I feel that. And just the courage to even say it Mm -hmm. is a lot. So I thank you so much for honoring that, honoring yourself, but still like working through it. Like, it's not something that's like today for tomorrow, but at least you're at this point where you can actually go out there and talk about it yeah. because it's going to help so many people out there. Because again, like I said, people look at you now like Brittany, oh my God, Britney's like, she's a like, goddess. Oh, she's, she's amazing. She's wonderful. Great. Right. She's- and, and not knowing like the, the backstory. And a lot of people can resonate with that. Like maybe someone's listening right now that is in a pattern stuck in a pattern like this or is with someone that's just kind of like just to pay the bills, right? Or like, you know, and it's like to me it's just so fascinating that you were once in that space. Mm -hmm. and where you are today like i just it it blows my mind and Mm -hmm. so i love that you asked god for help Mm -hmm. and that that sign came because sometimes people don't listen okay that's right and they say that a car accident is the number one way of god or higher power whatever it is that you believe in warns you this is not the route you're supposed to think. Mm-hmm.
1: I have a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, and the teacher will remain
0: mm-hmm. until the lesson
1: is learned. And the lesson always gets harder, yes. not easier. It gets harder, right? Oh, yeah. And that's why I say, you know, he whispers and he speaks and he yells, anyway. and I'm a stubborn girl. So typically, now as I get older and more congruent, I listen to the whispers and the and the speaking more. Yeah. You know, it took the roar to really make me get into the action. And I'm just grateful that his grace is sufficient and that he allowed me now to be here. And when you speak about, you know, me being able to tell the story so many times our stories own us. It is not who I am. Mm -hmm. It is an experience that I went through. It's not the old Brinley and the new Brinley. It is the same Brinley, right? It's just a Brinley that has grown and evolved yet the power came when I told the story for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because when I told the story for the first time now I owned the story. The story didn't own me. Amen. Right. And now I was able to use it for good. And it's not an easy story to tell. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I'm it's there's a lot of regret and a lot of shame and a lot of people that don't think that I deserve the grace that I received. All mm-hmm. right? And rightfully mm-hmm. so in a lot of ways.
0: And there's also power in healing and being able to allow it to impact others. Absolutely. Well, I think that a lot of what happens in circumstances and situations like this, first of all, I love that you mentioned that you now own the story. The story doesn't own you. I think that's huge. And I think that that's like, you're almost releasing it. Like, listen, I went through this, but it's not who I am. It's just what I've experienced. Okay. And it's just so fascinating because knowing what you know now through NLP and all mm-hmm. these things, how much we can just let life happen to us until we become aware that's right it's that's like right. it blows my mind because i've had circumstances in my life where i look back and i'm like you know the regrets the fear the anger it's like mm-hmm. what was i thinking that's right. because i wasn't consciously aware that's right and i wasn't consciously making my so decisions much right conscious level. Yeah. at an unconscious level like you said 99.9 percent is what has been programmed up here that's not right. many people know that you can reverse this that's right and that's like a magic trick mm-hmm. right there. Right. But like scientifically proven, yeah. right? And so it's just fascinating to see these things. And like anybody who's listening right now that may be going through a circumstance that you're not like your heart, your soul, everything is speaking to you all of the time. You can choose to listen or you can choose not to listen. Right. And like mm-hmm. you said, the whispers and it turns into a roar, right? That's right. Yeah. And that's everything kind of happening to you. But I mean, just that awareness that you finally got there to that awareness is huge because once you become aware, you almost can like start composing your life story the way that you want it to happen. Well, and it's a journey, right? Not a destination,
1: right? We are constantly evolving. And, you know, I always say like there's the four pillars and they have to be done in a certain order, right? The first was the spiritual. I had to first get my spirit right. I had to stop playing God. I had to stop thinking that, I controlled everything in my life. And when I started discovering that there was something bigger than me, I say God, and as I said earlier, I don't care who your God is. It could right. be the universe. It could be mother nature, it right. could be the doorknob. It could be your friends, right? As long as you don't think it's you, right? And so I had to get my spirit straight first because without my spiritual, having something bigger than me, everything else wouldn't follow suit, right? So once I had my spirit straight, then I could start working on my mental. Mm. Right. And I remember during that phase of my journey, I would literally walk around my house going, we don't think like that anymore. We don't think like that anymore because we're not responsible for our first thought. Our first thought is going to come. We are responsible for our second thought. Mm. And you have to train your second thought to tell your first thought, we don't think like that anymore. Mm. And then replace it with a new thought. And so if you had a, a camera in my house at that time. And thinking as I live by myself, literally, I would be walking around shaking my head going, we don't think like that anymore. We don't think like that anymore. And there's a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself that I read throughout that entire part of just shifting my mind, right? And the way I thought. And then I wanted to know, I wanted to know why I thought the way I did. Why did rejection hit me at my core? Why could I be in a room and everybody could tell me how amazing I was? Yet I was worried about the one person that didn't like me. Mm-hmm. And I was always chasing that, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that, that's when I discovered neurolinguistic programming. And realize that so much of it could be reversed because there's an assessment called the saboteur's assessment. It's positiveintelligence.com. And what I love about this assessment, and I own a hiring, you know, a recruiting company, so I'm obsessed with assessments and behavior. (laughs) Yes. But what this assessment does is it identifies the nine self-sabotaging behaviors that we all have inside of us and what your tendency is towards certain ones. Yeah, what it tells you also, because a lot of these assessments tell you how you think, how you behave, yet they don't tell you why. And what it shows you is the original survival function. So let's say if you grew up in a home where mom and dad were married, dad worked all day, and mom was a housewife and took care of the home or a, home, a homemaker, and dad would come home at night, and all she would want is dad to show appreciation or say, I love you when she set the meal down or took care of him, and he paid no attention. He was so exhausted from work. He would just come home, eat, go grab the newspaper, go sit down, watch TV and go to bed. So if you watch this behavior as a child during your imprint phase, to please is to love is what you were taught. Yep. So now you become a pleaser. Now you think by pleasing, that's how you receive love, right? Yep. So once you discover that, then you can say, wait a minute, I can reverse
0: that. <laughs> i right. so totally totally right. Right, because my and dad, had yeah. yeah, no, it was the same thing for me. I mean, my parents were working like 13, 15 hour days. Yeah, so like for me, it was always about pleasing them and making sure like I made them happy because like I would come home like after you know doing extracurriculars after school after sports, after doing all my homework and yeah. everything, and they wouldn't see any of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would see it at the end. So it was always love visiting them. And I've always had a hard time with mm-hmm. since That's, that's right. Time. So yeah, you're right. absolutely right. i probably
1: it. a little bit of a high achiever also. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because of that. Yep. Right? Because you were constantly trying to please mom and dad by achieving at a high level, yeah. right? So so you receive love, right? Yep. Through achievement, which then you become a hyper achiever. Yep. Right? Hyper rational. If you are someone that had a lot of chaos right around you, a lot of trauma, a lot of drama in the household, that you actually escaped in your own mind, mm-hmm. right? You escaped through logic, through thinking, through all of that. So it's just once we know where the original programming came from, there's a sense of relief, right? Right? So you're like, wait a minute. Like, yes, I have a responsibility to change it. Yeah.
0: I can't accept the full responsibility for it being in existence. Correct. Right. It fascinates and blows my mind every single time because when you break it down, it's so true. That's right. Every single, like every single stage that you were talking, everything. That's right. That's right. And the fact that you can reverse, like it's, in, that's why like your your journey to me is absolutely insane because it's like, that is the most drastic yeah. turnaround. Yeah humanly possible absolutely you know and like neurologistics program literally navigated you through that i did. and like even to get out of your relationship that was toxic and yeah. i mean i'm sure there's people listening right now they've got a toxic person in their life whether it be their significant other loved one or whatever like how do you then start setting boundaries reversing the mind you're talking when you're walking around your house and you're like yeah what's on? Right. you know That's like right. you mentioned the book that was one thing mm-hmm. that helped yeah you know? yeah and just some other things that you used to just like become aware and program that thinking in an alternate yeah. way. And then what were the steps you took to kind of like remove all toxicity. Yeah, out from of my your life? life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you are Jim Rowan tells me that
1: some of the, the average of the five people you surround yourself with the most, yep. and obviously, you know, I was hanging out at bars and, you know, most of my friends were addicts and bartenders, so I had to get rid of about 95% of my inner circle. And what's interesting is when you do that, the people that are supposed to be in your life will come back, Mm. right? And there are, there are quite a few people that came back and sometimes walking away can be a very difficult thing. And so if you are, I would say to anyone that is listening, if you are in a relationship or you're with someone that you're having a difficult time getting away, the best thing to do is to find someone that will help you whether that's a professional, a friend that cares about you, a family member so that you can do it, have an outside perspective to help you do it in a safe way, because there probably are going to be a lot of people that are listening that could be in life-threatening situations if they walk away. And there are ways to do that, right? There are ways to do that in a very um, easy way, protected way, safe way. And there is a way. And that's what I want people to know. If you're sitting there and and you don't believe there's a way, there's always a way. You know, the number one cause of depression and suicide is the lack of a compelling future. People believe that they, they have no future. Right. So the first thing I tell people is to write what your perfect future looks. Start to create that compelling future. Because then what that does, it starts to give you energy. It starts to open your mind to possibility, right? And seeing the other side, because really what it is, it's a belief system. It was interesting. There's a um, documentary that just came out, Sweet Obey, Pray, or something to that effect. And it's about the religion where... They have multiple wives, polygamy.
0: Ah, polygamy. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it is about one of the biggest polygamists in our country. And the whole premise of the documentary is how they released, they went into these camps and released these women and got these women out of this polygamous community. Well, what's interesting is that the majority of them, guess what they did? Once they were rescued from that polygamous community, guess what they did? They went right into another one because you can take them out of the environment. Yet if you don't change the belief, the belief still to them is that by being a wife, they're serving God and it gives them a higher place in heaven and a higher purpose in heaven. Mm -hmm. So you have to change the belief and you change a belief by showing the possibility of what your life can look like without that belief. So you have to think through what your life would look like if you weren't in that relationship right now. What would your life look like if you were surrounded by positive positive energy versus negative energy? What would your life look like if you weren't being beat every day? And Mm -hmm. start imagining the possibility. And now you can start to reverse the belief because what happens with a lot of trauma and addiction and abuse is that they believe that that's their only option. And they also believe sometimes that that's love because they know know no different. They know know nothing. nothing else. Right? Right. And so once I got my mind straight, and then I was able to get my emotional
0: intelligence in order. Like you mentioned, the lack of the compelling future, mm-hmm. that's everything. Well, I have a very close level in that, dealt with addiction, that yeah. was addiction. Yeah. Very, very close level. Yeah. opiate
1: addiction is one of the highest in our, rampant in our country.
0: I mean, three times mm. we found OD. Oh. And by the grace of God, I'm the higher power, of the heavens, the universe, all of the things he is now in a Mm. job that he absolutely loves and he's empowered and he loves it and all that stuff and it's like he thought there was no way out the lack of a compelling future that's right right that's right and it's almost like i had to reverse his belief system over years and years and years and constantly be his true leader and constantly be like pressing on his case and like now he's in a he's in a place where He's empowered and it's like yeah. the coolest thing ever. So like, it is totally possible. That's right. No matter what. And and now that he's there, he sees it. He's like, wow. Yeah. Like I didn't. That's right. Real Like I could have never seen this for myself. That's right. So it's super key. The cheerleaders along the way too. Yeah. Right. What, yeah. They, what they can do. It's like, like are goodness. you
1: surrounded by people that are co-signing your BS? Right. Or are you surrounded by people that are supporting where you want to go in life? Right, hands down. And you know, you have to feed your mind daily. Yeah. Your worst enemy is between your two ears. Yep. And every day you have to do yep. something that's going to turn it into your ally. Right. Whether that's, you know, in the beginning, it was affirmations. I had them on my bathroom wall. They were I am statements. I would scream them in the shower. I recorded them with my voice right it was a it was a spot check inventory in the beginning i would keep a notebook by me and when certain thoughts would come up i would write it down so that i could get it out of my head and on paper and then i could look for various patterns i would also use that same system when i started mastering my emotions right i would write down when i would react why i would react what caused it what triggered it so that i could start to go back and reverse the triggers and find out why i often joke that I was raised by a single mom. I'm an only child. The whole world was about me yes. for 18 years. For 18 years, the entire world was about me. There was nothing to distract my mother. She wasn't married, right? Everything she did, eat, breathe, work, was for me. Right. So then I get out of the home. Why wouldn't I think that the whole world was about <laughs> me, right? And I was selfish, self centered, and I'm an only child for yeah. the whole world. And still at 42, if something doesn't go my way, my inner 10-year-old comes out <laughs> and wants to throw the tantrum, right? But it's so true. like, it is. It and, is. and yet, instead of telling, being told and, and believing that I was selfish and self-centered by seeing it that way, it went, wait a minute, why wouldn't I be that way now? Mm. Now became the decision point. Do mm. I want to change it? Mm. Right? Because mm. for a lot of us, we want to stay in comfort. And it's comfortable to stay with what we know. It's comfortable to stay in that
0: behavior. It's right. very uncomfortable to reverse it. It's very uncomfortable to change it. Absolutely, absolutely. And you decided to change it. Like it's yeah. just, it's just fascinating how everything stems from our upbringing.
1: It and all, it, is it's safe. all programming. Well, and then think about you know you're going to be going into motherhood soon, right? Yeah. I have a lot of friends that are. Right. So really, if you're out there and you're listening and you have kids, I really want to hone in on under seven. What are you saying? What TV do you have on in the background that you think they don't understand? Like their minds. That's why they say kids are like sponges. They're soaking everything in. And then if you have children that are seven to 14, find out what's going on in those homes. what are those parents belief systems what are their moral compasses do you have the same value system as them just because they have a white picket fence and a golden doodle doesn't mean (laughs) that everything behind closed doors is peachy right Right. and then if they're in the 14 to 21 you know i just talked about this with a client they've got teenagers and the marriage isn't good and they were staying together for the kids Mm -hmm. and i said the worst thing you can do is stay together for the kids Because they're watching you right now. They're modeling you. You're teaching them how to treat, you're teaching your sons how to treat a woman. You're teaching your daughters how to be treated by men. And by staying, you're telling them that it's okay to be unhappy, right? So really thinking about these various, and that's how you can start to break the generational cycle of the programming. Is if you're aware of how you're now programming
0: the next generation. Absolutely, that awareness is, absolutely key and I, I just like your story just it just blows my mind and so you, you did all these affirmations you did all these yeah. things and then you got into NLP and you really understood the psychology that's at right at that point and then and then the hardest part came then the hardest part okay. the hardest part was the
1: emotional intelligence because mm, our emotions are everything mm-hmm. everything learning how to not be reactive to right. <laughs>
0: certain things or project
1: or right. that's right all of that and that's why when i teach people how to come back from seemingly hopeless places you have to do it in this order yes if you truly want change and you want to become a different human you have to do the spiritual first because you have to stop playing god then you have to get the mental the mind right because if the mind isn't right you will not be able to master your emotions and then the final piece which we'll talk about which is the physical Right. And so the emotional intelligence was a big one for me because I was a highly, highly triggered emotional individual. Mm. Um, I don't know if you study human design, but if you look at my human design, if you look at my disc, if you look at my saboteurs, everything is emotionally based. I am an Mm. Aries. I am fire. Right. Like every single thing in my life (laughs) screams emotion. And so I had to learn how to change from becoming being a very reactive individual to being a very responsive right i studied emotional intelligence 2.0 i started mastering my emotions that's when i would do the spot check inventory and write down you know what triggered me
2: Mm. right
1: what what caused it and then my leadership emotions and my leadership didn't come till probably gosh a year or two ago right that came way after the full body change you yeah. know then i can start mastering leadership so in, when i talk about emotional intelligence in this phase of my life it's strictly as personal emotions mm-hmm. right and how they were affecting my life i mean they truly were
0: taking over my life i was not a nice person i wasn't a nice person and so that's one of the biggest things is like the release that's right like how do you release those trapped emotions first off how do we even become aware of them like you said the swap yeah. check was really key mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. And then how do you release them so that they don't ever bother you again? That's right.
1: Well, and you know it's a journey. It's an right. onion layer,
0: and they still come.
1: They just come a little bit further and far between. You learn how to master them more. NLP really helps me with the emotional triggers because the more I was able to identify, you know, where they were coming from, the easier it was. You know, my grandmother was raised by a prostitute in Pensacola, and. She would be taken to the bars and put up on, you know, bars and told that she was her mother's sister and she was beaten by her mother and a lot of emotional turmoil that I believe was passed down, passed down generationally because my grandmother would, she never became an alcoholic, but she had the anger and she would clear whole dressers in front of my aunts and uncles. And so I think a lot of that came down to me. And again, the more I sought to understand it, the more I could release it. Right. And Mm -hmm. Emotions aren't a bad thing. Right. Right. We say you're too emotional. No. You know, I used to apologize for crying, but I cried. Mm-hmm. And I cried. And I cried. What was that movie when the president's wife died? Oh, Independence Day. I cried on right. in Independence Day when the president's <sighs> wife died. I cried everything. Right. And I would apologize for it because it would be a sign of weakness. Well, all right. tears are is expressing on the outside. I feel on the inside. It's a right. release. Right? right. And so once I start to understand my emotions and where they were coming from, and I was able to start releasing. I remember, I'll
0: never forget this when I went to NLP training and we do the whole bono, bono. Oh, bono, bono. Yeah. yeah. Man. And I'm not like in, in being stepping into the masculine yeah. always. Yeah. I never, ever really cry. I still kind of don't. Mm-hmm. And it's like still stuff I'm working through. Right. Yeah. But like I did that exercise, lost it within like mm-hmm. a minute. I was like, whoa, I had so much going on that yeah. I didn't even know. So I'm, Trying to get better at those, like you are getting at at those emotions, but it's just so fascinating how much we can hold inside and how much that affects us. That's right.
1: For those um, of you who are listening, Ho'oponopono is a Hawaiian forgiveness exercise. You can Google it. It's, and and it's a great, I do it quite often, right? Because we do need to seek forgiveness for ourselves and for others, you know. And I think with the emotional intelligence piece, a lot of it was the power of the pause going back to that first thought, you can't control. Well, the first emotion, you can't control. The second one, you can So sometimes you just have to pause, let the emotion pass. You know, Eckhart Tolle is one of my mentors. I got to recently hear him live in Seattle. And he talks about that. When you're in the present moment, you're not comparing yourself to something you think you should be or regretting something that you haven't done. And that's all emotion is, you know, emotion, negative emotion is fear of of losing something that you have or not getting something that you want. Mm -hmm. So if you can pause for a moment and gain clarity on what it is you're afraid to lose or afraid you're not going to get, you can take care of the emotion like that. So it's building the habit to to pause, Mm -hmm. right? Take a minute, take a breather. You also don't have to show up to every conversation you're invited to. You're allowed to exit the conversation you're allowed to say and set a boundary and say, can we come back to this? I'm not feeling in the best way to receive this or to deliver, no. right? Can
0: we can we take a minute and revisit? It's it's fascinating. It really, just all these little techniques all these nuggets and everything that you're mentioning really is like gold mm. because these are the things that can change your life, That's right? right? Like That's right. if you start to learn how to master your mind, bits and pieces of like all the nuggets that you've dropped, like that is, that can literally change your life. I always say, master your mind, you master your life. That's right. That's right. Once you become consciously aware, then comes the whole manifestation side of things, right. where you start to okay, yeah, because your unconscious mind doesn't know any different mm-hmm. between past, present, and future. Power is listening to it. Whenever and, and I'm going to ask for your manifestation tips too. Yeah. After we get into yeah. the fourth part, which is the, the physical, physical, yeah. but your manifestation like after you gained that conscious awareness reversed your Mm. mind and kind of how you stepped into that world because like what you're doing now it's like i can't even like wrap my mind around the amazingness and all that you are right so so yeah so i just wanted to hear about that yeah because then because i've been through a similar journey where it was like you know the awareness the release and all this and then all of a sudden you become this like manifestor What's clarity and you're just like
1: yeah it's clarity
0: once you start to clean out the old you
1: can start putting the new back in, right? You do the dump and now you get to refill it, right? Mm-hmm. Empty the baggage and all the old. Now you can start to replace it with the new, yeah. right? And so once I got the emotional intelligence figured out, and and this is, I, it's so interesting how the mind works because um, a beautiful thing called COVID. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm and I had gone through the spiritual change I'd gone through the mental change and the emotional change I was still going through prior to COVID Mm -hmm. it was really the the emotional intelligence was probably the hardest part of the journey for me and so then COVID hits well prior to COVID you would find me live on Facebook every time the camera was on you I had hair extensions down to here. <laughs> I thought every single person in the world should want to hear what I have to say. My ego was massive. And when you live by yourself in the middle of a national pandemic, guess who you have to spend a lot of time with? Mm. Yourself. And I got real clear on my avatar. So who I wanted to be at my highest and best spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically down to like what I wanted my rear end to look like <laughs> and I used to be the girl that would say if you see me running you should probably run because I'm running to something or away from it <laughs> and during COVID I would start walking the block and then I would run from one stop sign to the next and then I'd run from one one stop sign to the next two stop signs and before you knew it I was running a five k and I lost 45 pounds during COVID. Yet more importantly, what I got clear on and congruent on were my values and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up in the world. And there's something around physical transformation that gives you a confidence, a healthy confidence. And that's why I say the physical has to be at the end, right? Because if the physical is in the beginning, then the ego is driven with the confidence that comes because you haven't done the mental and emotional release work. Right. Right. If you do the emotion or the mental and emotional release work first, then the ego is pretty diminished by the time you get to the physical. So the physical now becomes more about feeling good on the inside than the outside. Right. Because remember, self-worth comes from the inside. Self-confidence comes from the outside. Yeah. Right. And so you want your physical transformation to actually be more driven by self-worth than self-confidence. Yes. Right. Yes. And so then now I felt stronger. I felt more congruent. I started building healthy habits. I started learning about my gut and what I was putting into it and what I was putting into my body and how to listen to my body. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for those of you that are um, in your mid thirties, I say, run, don't walk to get your hormones checked, start monitoring your hormones in your mid thirties. It will change your life. I think a lot of us wait too long. And so we suffer a lot in our late thirties and early forties with hormonal imbalances that we just We don't even know what's causing it. All these things are happening and it comes down to our hormones, right? So that was a big transformation for me because now it also built discipline and structure. You know, now I'm routinely, I'm up at 5.15 every morning, I'm in the gym, you know, I intermittent fast, I watch what I eat. So now it's this whole body, you know, transformation. It doesn't end there, right? right? Now I have to do something every day to feed my spirit, feed my mind, Master my emotions and feed my body. Yes.
0: And as long as I do that every day, I know that I'm on the right path. Absolutely. It's really your story is like fascinating and just like the whole the whole thing you're like it just blows blows my mind and i mean because you, you've been going through all of this internally kind of this whole mm-hmm. transformation this whole route and yeah. it's like still ongoing right like yeah. you're still working on it every A single, single day yeah And like how you built your business is really fascinating to me so i want to hear a little bit about like the real estate like of course yes and i do want to talk about the manifestation too
1: because i think that's really really important yeah maybe we wrap with the manifestation since it's more on personal development and then we'll go in to the real estate so there's so much power in our intuition Mm and our manifestation and in order to start tapping into that you have to listen and it's it's very simple right it's the voice in your head that tells you maybe I should go check that curling iron before I walk out the door Mm -hmm. or maybe, or I bet that light is on upstairs. Right. And then you don't check it and you come home and the lights on and the curling iron's plugged in. Yep. It's that simple. If you start listening, just start with listening to those little voices and following them. Right. That's the key. It's not about the voice. It's about do you actually follow through with it as silly as it may seem just list, start listening. Because if you start listening at a small, minute, granular level, then you'll be able to listen to the bigger things. Right. My my team calls me. It depends on the day, right? Some days it's <laughs> the, end of the Good Witch. Some days it's it's the the Wicked Witch of the West. And she, they're like, you just know stuff. Yeah. How do you just you know yep. stuff? And I, you know, I texted someone yesterday, and they're like, how do you know when to text me? And I'm like, it just it's my intuition. We all have it. It's do we choose to listen right, and act on it, right? Knowledge is not power. Execution is power, Yes. right? Hearing the voice is the knowledge. Okay, now I know it. How am I going to act on it? Yep. And that's the most simple way. And then with manifestation, it's you have to really make sure you're not manifesting against your manifestations because that's what happens a lot. And I recently realized this and I kind of tell this funny story on myself that I had gone out to dinner with a dear friend of mine, named Judy Johns. And Judy is an 83-year-old realtor out of Kansas City, Missouri. Cutest thing you've ever seen. Her husband's name is Coach. They've been married for 50 years. She looks at him the same way that they did, I'm sure, the first night they met. And she says to me, Brindley, do you have a list? And I'm like, what do you mean, Judy? Like a list of what you want in a life partner. And I said, well, I don't have a list. And she goes, I need a list. And I need a specific list. Like, I want to know his hair color, his eye color, where he lives, because I want to pray over your list. I was like, well, Judy, if Judy Johnson tells you she want to pray over your list, you're getting a list together, right? Yep. <laughs> so I'm coming home from that trip and I sit down in my seat on the airplane and this wonderful man sits down and we talk the entire two and a half hour flight. We have the same values, the same political beliefs. He is highly successful, travels the world. And the whole time I'm sitting there, Pamela, thinking, there is no way that I could date this man because he was 78 years old. (laughs) And I look up and I go, okay, God, I get it. Thanks, Judy. I'll be more specific. (laughs) And I went home that night and I really started thinking about it. And I started thinking about what I wanted in a partner and why I didn't have a life partner. And what I realized was I was saying I wanted this partner in life, yet I was telling everyone but I was lucky I wasn't married and didn't have kids because nothing tied me down. Mm. Right. So I was actually manifesting against what I actually wanted Wanted. to manifest in my life. So you really have to make sure you're clear on your vision and what you want because your unconscious mind is always listening. Oh, 100%. and the universe will give you what you ask for. Yeah,
0: they're like, right? well, I guess she she doesn't
1: want to be tied down. So there we go. She's That's not right. gonna be tied down. That's right. Exactly. And then you want to learn what type of manifestor you are. Some people need to be very specific manifestors. I actually don't have to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I actually can man- be a very generalized manifestor because the universe typically will give me what I want and surprises me and gives me something better because I don't need to be specific right? Because there is, there is an energetic purpose behind manifestation based on where you are energetically. And human design teaches you that. Yeah. If you study human design, it'll tell you what type of manifester you are. And so now I can, I mean, I remember clear day driving under a bridge seven years ago on the phone with a friend who was traveling a lot for work. And I just thought in my mind, that'd be really cool. And a year and a half later, I was on the road 150, 200 days. That's insane, right? But again, it comes with the clarity when you learn and accept and just receive and be in the flow and be okay with whatever's coming because you're no longer in
0: fear Mm -hmm. of losing something or not getting what you want. Yeah, I love that. Well, it's also like the clarity, like you said, and I feel like from there you can start to put strings where you want. It's like, oh, I I like this. Mm -hmm. Let's do more of that. I like this. Let's not do this. You know, like it becomes so interesting. And and people always ask me, like, did you? like I don't get it and I'm like well it's <laughs> a yes. very long and complicated journey but That's but I mean. a lot a lot of this like manifestation like the awareness side of things I'm like letting go of previous belief systems and surrounding myself with people that I adore and respect mm-hmm. and love so much and like learning from them and, and then be saying okay well what do I want in my life and how do I make these decisions consciously That's and right. I remember myself like I would be sitting at home and I would be like nope I don't know. Nope, that's not no negative thoughts. Bye. 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 Mm-hmm. And I literally, it was like maybe three months that I could, like, I was like constantly, constantly until it was beaten into my head and it reversed the programming. Yeah. And this was kind of before NLP. Like, that's it was right. just like positive yeah. thinking, you know, breathing yeah. the secret and stuff like that. And right. I was just like, no, 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 we don't think like that. <laughs> okay. Right. Like yeah, yeah. And you literally sound crazy, but like, you literally need to talk that uh, unconscious mind and make sure it's on the same wavelength as what who you are. Well, you have to get quiet. And that's the thing is we're racing
1: so much. And that's where meditation is so powerful. Even if you just, you know, a lot of people I coach through meditation is just start with a kitchen timer and set it for a minute. And just for a minute, look for the orange light and close your eyes and just don't think. Mm-hmm. And it can be that simple, you know, also Deepak Chopra and Oprah did, you know, many 21 day meditation challenges. Yes. You can now get them online. And that's how I started my meditation journey wow. was with one of those, right? Guided meditation is a great thing. And don't overthink it. You yeah. don't have to sit like Buddha in yoga to do your meditation. Yep. You can lay in bed and meditate, right? Like right. It's, do whatever is comfortable for you that is going to give you that stillness right. to allow your mind to receive. Yes. And have that, create, you know, creativity needs space. New things need creativity and they need space. And if we don't create that space, then we can't create
0: new behaviors or new thinking or new new lives. Absolutely. Well, it's just the whole fascination of all of it. Like, it, like for me, I could never sit down and be quiet because like, I have 80 minutes. Mean, so I'm like, Boo-hoo. my mind's like, but if I'm in the car with music blasting, that's when I'm the clearest. It's so okay. bizarre. So to me, my meditation is through music. Mm-hmm. I had the hardest time like sitting still, even if it was for a minute. was yeah. like doo, 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 my mind would just start going six, seven right. directions. But if I'm listening to a song or mm-hmm. listening to a beat, I completely like immerse myself and I like go. Oh, and that's like you found your it's, path. Yeah, it, that's right. it's so incredible how different. let like find your space. Like is it art? Is it when you're painting? Is it what, like whatever it is, as long as your mind sits still. That's right. During that time, whatever it is that you do, whatever your meditation may look like, like you said, even in yeah. bed.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, everyone has it differently. It's just so. It's just so fascinating how like things can come. And for me, also too, it's travel. That's right. Or when I'm in the shower. That's right. I find that whenever I'm around water, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. tend to be much. Yes clearer yeah which is why probably why i love cruises so much what <laughs> my, by one of the and...
1: things you'll, you'll hear me say a lot is if you start to get into chaos there's two things you can do immediately to get out of it number one yeah. look down at your feet and mm. say where are my feet mm. right where are my feet right now at this exact moment and then also go find a patch of grass outside right in your front yard wherever it needs to be take your shoes off and just stand in the grass yeah. and take a moment and get regrounded to the earth, and those mm-hmm. two little things can bring you out of chaos and get you to a congruent center, center energy point yes. to then have that pause. Mm-hmm. Yet, don't overcomplicate
0: it. It can be that simple. Yeah, I'm yeah. an overcomplicator sometimes. We I'm all like, well, do. I need to be this and this and this and like I love those tips. Well, we're the hardest. We're hardest on ourselves,
1: right? Right. We want to be perfect. And again, it goes back to what Eckhart teaches us, right? Our ego is. It's not ego is not just, Hey, look at me. I'm amazing. Right. Right. We all have ego ego is what prevents us from becoming our highest enlightened selves and reaching full awareness because it's constantly comparing. We're comparing ourselves to what we think we should be that we're not, that we're lacking or to something in the past that we regret. And there's power in the present moment. And where are you right now? Because that's really all you can control like you know living in the past is depression living in the future is anxiety that's it right peace is in the present
0: yeah why they call the present the present right it's a gift it's a gift, gift. whatever the one i will never forget the first time someone told me that i was like like it was like they uh, had unlocked like a magic box for me or something yeah. it's like the present <laughs> is a gift and i'm like Wonder it's called the president. That's right. Yeah, then <laughs> it's so true because yeah, I mean if you can't like you got to take things one day at a time. Day. You start thinking like this, this, this. I mean, don't get me wrong. Go ahead and write down long-term goals, mid-term goals, and all that stuff. But like, chunk it down, chunk it down. You know, I don't write talk a lot about five-year vision anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Most people can't fathom five years, from now. Mm-hmm. and there's so much that can happen. Oh yeah, thirty-six months. Mm-hmm. 36, thirty-six months. Thirty-six months sounds a lot more attainable that's that. Yeah. Start there and then work backwards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there in 36 months. Then where do I want to be in 24, which is two years. And then where do I want to be in 12,
0: which is a year. I love that you break it down in months. It seems, makes yeah. it seem so much less like intimidating. For yeah. some reason when you say years, I'm so inspired and just oh, you so much. You. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and so your real estate journey, yeah. obviously this kind of all happened at the same
1: time. That's right. If you will. So the accident happened in May of 2012, but prior, right prior to that, November, 2011, I started, I decided I wanted to go into real estate and put my resume out to become a real estate assistant because everything my mother had taught me was in real, you know, become an assistant first. And that's how you learn and mentor it. I was hired by um, Nikki Valdini, who's very well known in the state of Florida. And she's been my biggest cheerleader in my career. And she hired me to be the director of agent services for her brokerage, and so basically, I adult babysat all day long,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: took care of the agents, and made sure they were happy. And yeah. and then I went to the real estate conference um, in February 2012, which is where I found out, you know, found heard God family business, and really that was what started the the transformation. And then the accident happened in May 2012, and obviously Nikki and she had just. I always like to honor him because she had just hired a new managing broker, Howard Weinstein, and he had been on the job for like a month. And now he's dealing with one of his staff members facing 15 years in prison and two felonies. And the agents are in an uproar. And, you know, I remember going back a few years into sobriety and being able to, a few years into recovery and being able to say, you know, make my amends to him. you know, for that, for that, because I'm sure it was not fun. Mm -hmm. And so obviously they had to let me go from the brokerage yet. A few agents in the office knew that I wanted to rebuild my life. Mm -hmm. And so they said, well, come help us do admin. And so I would, obviously I couldn't drive at the time. So I would take my laptop and bungee cords from Walmart. I went and bought a $99 beach cruiser from Walmart. So the thing had no shocks, no brakes. Right. And I would strap my laptop to the back of it every morning. And I would go bike from real estate office to real estate office, just picking up work as an admin. So working on their databases, doing their websites, I could do pretty strong website design in Dreamweaver at the time. And so I built basically my first leverage business on a bike with a laptop. And some days I'd bike, I always say I had the nice rear end in Pinellas County because some days (laughs) I'd bike, you know, I'd bike 40 to 60 miles a day. And then one day Fred Collis called me. And he said, Hey, Bryn, I'm not happy with my transaction coordinator. And do you want to do my transactions? And I'm like, sure. Because you always say yes, right. And you figure right, that out later. Right. And I called Maureen Casco, who was a Remax agent at the time, and I said, Maureen, Fred Collis wants me to do his transactions and he wants to pay me a lot of money. It's like a whopping like 395 a transaction. <laughs> And I don't know how to do a transaction. And so she recorded, and it was before video, before we had, you know, fancy cell phones, she recorded how to do a Florida state real estate transaction from contract. So execute a contract to close. Mm
0: -hmm. And I listened
1: to that over and over and over. And that's how I built my first TC business. Wow. Yep. And so in about three years, I went from just myself to doing about 2000 real estate transactions a year with a team of about six. And in 2016, so that was 2012, yeah, 2013 uh, ish, 2016. Yeah. I'm in a, a real estate kind of event, and I do a pitch because we would sponsor realtor events to grow, you know, our TC business. And that morning, you know, those mornings that you just wake up and you just know you're on. Yep. Right. Like I never script scripted my pitches like, but this morning for some reason, like I'm in the shower and I'm talking about how I leverage tea ordering and like I have this <laughs> whole story to tell about leverage and I'm wearing a red dress and my hair had just gotten done. And I walked out that day and did that pitch and I nailed it. And there was a gentleman in the room and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, what are you doing? You're way too gifted and talented to be doing transactions. Mm. and we went to dinner that night and came up with a whole plan to sell my business in three months and sell it to my employees. So I got wow. to help a lot of moms become independent transaction coordinators. Some of them still have those businesses today, seven oh, years later. Wow. Yeah. And our, yeah, six years later, I ended up going to work for a big coaching company inside the real estate industry. Mm. They asked me to come build out their whole operations coaching wow. program. Cause what we find is most realtors know how to sling a house. Mm -hmm. they don't have a problem selling a house. They're natural born salespeople, right? They don't know how to be business owners. Yep. They don't know how to scale the business. They don't know how to run a PML. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to set up the systems, models, and tools they need to run a successful real estate business. So what happens is most of them end up burning out of the business because they're trying to do all of it. And then what we found was now these teams started being created to solve that pain point right? Come give us 50% of your GCI. We'll give you all the leverage you need, which is great. It's a great model. And there's a lot of people that want that because they want that sense of community. They want to be a part of something. And that's wonderful. Yet I wanted something for the agent that didn't need the community, but needed the leverage, right? I didn't want them to feel that you have to give away half your earnings just to be able to have administrative and operational leverage. So I left that coaching company right before COVID and decided to build a vision. The business had been a little bit like we've been dabbling in things while I was running, while I was building the coaching programs, but nothing major. So I came back in, took the entire business down to the studs, which was me. And in the last three years, we've been building all the pieces. So we now do hiring and training. Yet first we start with fractional operations. So we basically do TC, listing management, database, social media, and for higher fractional assistance. So rather than putting a full $80,000 proven talent on your PL, you right. can hire one that's proven US-based, 10, you know, 10 hours a week, just get the work done. Then once you are spending, we track spending. So once you're spending a lot on that fractional piece, now we can find your full-time person. So we now hire, train we offer all the support it's amazing and then we coach and consult on operations so it's pretty it's pretty neat and we get to change a lot of lives
2: you're, we get to help
0: a lot of business owners you're amazing yeah. well those are the tools right yeah. that like sometimes you have the drive you have the grit you have the everything right. but if you don't have the right pieces in place you're never going to scale you're only going to get to a plateau level and i can speak for this myself because i've experienced it right. and am experiencing yeah. it right and truth be told, like, that's exactly how it is. No matter how great you are, you can only go further faster with the team. You can only scale with the team. And that is it. Yeah. If you miss those elements, you can be God, that's right. That's right. right? But yeah. like, you can't that's right. do it all
1: yourself. Yeah. It's just you have to succeed through others. And it's an interesting time. I just spoke at an event yesterday that, you know, we're in a generational shift. Yeah. And I'm hearing a lot of the older generations say, they're so entitled. They don't want to work. They have all these you know, expectations that they need. And I said, well, no, they want to work. It just looks different. Yeah. It looks very different. Mm -hmm. 75% of our workforce is going to be millennials by the year 2025. And what's most important to them is freedom and flexibility. Absolutely. Right. And purpose too. Purpose. And 79% of them leave their jobs for lack of appreciation. And then we have a mental health crisis. Right. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. It was interesting i read a study that you know because a lot of them want to work from home and so we're in this remote revolution as i call it yeah right because you have yeah. the baby boomers are like i don't understand it i've gone to work every day commuting is yeah. the thing and then now covid right put us back in i think 47 percent of workers said that if they were forced to go back into the office they would quit yep right it's crazy yet what's interesting and fascinating is that 72 percent of them say they now work weekends because they work from home And 48% of them say that they actually work more hours working
0: from home. So weird.
1: Yes. So productivity is actually increasing. Wow. Yet we have this mentality that because we can't see them, we don't know if they're working. Mm. And we have to shift the mentality. And we have to start studying empathetic leadership. We have to become better leaders if we want to keep people today. Because the average millennial will stay in a role 2.8 years.
0: That's crazy. Mm
1: -hmm. So if you don't have another role for them that will give them more new creativity or new landscape, they will leave. And then you've lost that investment in that human capital.
0: That's insane. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. And I've seen it Mm -hmm. because all my all my friends, millennials,
1: ah, yeah, I didn't like it here. And now we're shifting there. And I'm like, you know. And here's a a funny, another thing that I think is part of it is that we're afraid to hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we're loving people right out of the business. And it's nice. interesting. I read something recently that 82% of employees want feedback, regardless if it's negative or positive. Wow. And when they're not getting the feedback, they will leave. So if you have a lack of accountability and a lack of appreciation, right, they will leave you. You know, KPIs keep people inspired. Oh, uh, I love that. Right. And I KPIs are tied to revenue. Yeah. Metrics are tied to activities. Mm -hmm. What happens is, is we hold people accountable to the activities. And then we wonder why we're broke at the end of the year, because nothing is tied to the revenue. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a healthy balance of both because I can make 150 dials a day and not sell a single thing.
0: That's true. Right.
1: Right. Yet, if I have a KPI that I need to generate this amount of GCI through my dials, am I going to be more intentional about my conversations? Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm going to convert at a higher level because I have
0: a revenue goal, a GCI goal. I love that. Keep people inspired. That's such a great way to do it. Cause there's yeah. a lot of different keep a promise indicator. That's well. right. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I mean, this is, this is the secret sauce to building a business and scaling operations, right? Like if you can yeah. learn how to leverage. Yeah. That is everything. And the fact that you should provide that support is incredible. And I know that you're expanding like wildfire, which is absolutely amazing. Really. Well,
1: and we just want to help people, right? I just, I want to help business owners have businesses worth owning Right. Right. Because I just see the grind, you know, I'm teaching a class now, um, work-life integration balance is bullshit. <laughs> and somebody said about the word balance this morning. And I said, you've got to stop using the word balance. It's like right. saying something is normal. Normal is a setting on a washing machine. Yep. Right. Yep. Balance. There's no such thing as balance. You have one life
0: yep. you know,
1: to integrate all of it. Right. Right. And we can today rather right. than run home at lunch to feed your dog, bring your dog to work. Yep. Check with your boss first. You know, rather than having to rush out or put your kids in latchkey, right. Ask if the conference room is being used. Right. Right. Like, right we live in a world of flexibility today if we choose to do it and we will actually get more productivity out of people when we integrate their lives into the workplace
0: and we allow them to integrate their lives into the workplace absolutely and that's what everybody's looking for now is the freedom and the flexibility right and then a lot of people are taking on side hustles like you said people are actually working more it's just like on their terms. That's right. Now, for any entrepreneur who's listening right now or anybody who's interested in becoming an entrepreneur, what's your biggest piece of advice for any entrepreneurs listening? Or aspiring entrepreneurs? Master your time. Mm -hmm.
1: Time is our most precious commodity and time integrity is a very important thing. And you have 24 hours in a day. You can't find more. The only way that you can get more time is by mastering your minutes. And we, underestimate what we can do in 60 seconds and overestimate what we can do in 60 minutes. So you have to get to a place where you're actually mastering your minutes and the only way that you can do that at a high level is through time blocking.
0: Right.
1: And scheduling your days. And I use, you know, it was funny right before I came this morning, I had pulled up my phone and somebody saw my calendar. And they were like they made fun of it. And I said, "No, no, no. This is peace." Would you like me to walk you through the system? And somebody else threw up their phone and started recording me. Wow. And I took them through the system because the way that you can master your time and see everything in one place is your calendar. Yeah. Right. And right. you can create these blocks of time to make sure family's getting a piece of you, you're getting a piece of you, self-care, right? Because yeah. if you don't fill your bucket, you can't fill anybody else's. Right. Your team, right? You and I, we we own multiple businesses. Right. I'm color-coded on my calendar. My personal time is in my favorite color. Yep. Family time is in one color. My real estate business is in one color. My coaching clients are in one color. And then anyone that requires me to be on time in person is a different color because mm-hmm. those are not movable. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And what this does is by seeing the colors of the rainbow, I know, okay, everyone is getting enough Brindley, including mm-hmm. Brindley. That's amazing. Right. So that's, if you can master your time. Yes. And you can put a high value on your time and then surround yourself with people that
0: protect your time. That yes. would be my best advice. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that for me. That's it's absolutely. Cool. Now my favorite question. <laughs> what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? You're enough. You're enough. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that for me. Sometimes it's hard. Like it's like the simple things sometimes that you just can't, you yeah. know, wrap your mind around, but that, that is beautiful. I would tell myself the same thing, Mm -hmm. the same exact thing. The same exact thing. You're absolutely amazing. No, you are, this has been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. You are amazing. No, what are you up to in the next six to 12 months? What's going on in Brittany's (gasps) world?
1: Well, we're starting, you know, we've got the real estate business so you can follow us on your Realty Leverage. We'd love to help you figure out leverage. Just call us, we'll do a business consult, figure out the best piece of Mm -hmm. leverage for you. I have a great team. Please honor them by reaching out and seeing if we can help. And then I'm going to be working on a lot of personal content. So a lot of things that we talked about today, I'm going to be rolling out some personal development courses and speaking. Do you'd like me to come speak to your group? You can follow me, Brinley Tucker. You can go to brinleytucker.com. So we're excited. I'm excited. Oh my
0: God. I can't wait. I can't wait to see all the things manifest because you've helped everyone else leverage Mm -hmm. and crank out their business. And now you get to focus on you, Brinley. And I'm excited. Like, I can't wait to see you on more stages. And you're going to you. have those best selling books. And you're going to have these courses. <laughs> I know who she is. She's amazing. Oh. So, so thank you so thank much for you. being here today, for being so inspiring and for being open. And I adore you and I love you dearly. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you're you. amazing. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love.
2: All we know is all the time,